Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. High Strange is released weekly, every Thursday, brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to binge the whole season, it's available right now on Apple Podcasts for all Tenderfoot Plus subscribers. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes throughout the season. For more information, check out the show notes. Enjoy the episode. The first gate we're going here, this one is the main gate. Where we're going is an entrance, but it's about 40 minutes from the base. This is an active base, 100%. People think it isn't. It is. I've seen too many planes over the years. I've seen too many things they train. Look how many cameras. That one rotates and watches us. That one sometimes will follow you. And then you have three cameras on that pole back there. You have a camera to the right. I don't know of any government installation of any kind in the country that goes to the level of secrecy this one does. If you cross, they will detain you, hold you in federal prison six months to a year. So you're saying I probably shouldn't cross that stop sign? Do not go through that gate. I'm not going with you if you do. <laughs> Welcome to High Strange. Area 51 is like part of this mythology. It's just become this sort of mecca for people. For a while, they wouldn't even acknowledge there was such a place. We know it exists, but it's extremely secretive. The base develops our most advanced secret military aircraft. So we might not find out about something for years after it already happens at that base and they're test flying it. And it's very, very sensitive because you don't want our adversaries to know about what we're doing. I mean, it makes complete sense that it would be secret. There's always people going around trying to peek in and stuff like that. Hey, that's me. Let's face it, though. The odds of getting a glimpse of anything extraordinary here are pretty much zero. But with all the hype around Area 51, this is a place that I still want to see with my own eyes. You get in big trouble if you try to cross fences and things that are all around that base. Indeed, they do. At least, that's what the sign says. And apparently in 2019, it actually happened. A man with a, quote, cylindrical object in his hands approached the base entrance and just kept on walking. And when he ultimately breached the security gate, he was shot dead on sight by a guard. Yeah, we're not doing all that. Because of Area 51's place in UFO pop culture, it's attracted all kinds of people over the years. You might remember an event called Storm Area 51 that happened a few years ago. Nevada officials are bracing for an invasion at Area 51 by humans. Now the extraterrestrial hub is front and center thanks to a Facebook group dubbed Storm Area 51, they can't stop us all. In 2019, a Facebook event was made as a joke, inviting people to raid Area 51. All these people logged into Facebook and said, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, and it became this movement. 
Within a few months, the event had over two million people attending, and the internet was covered in alien memes. Attracting more than two million fans, the movement quickly went from a joke to no laughing matter. The Storm Area 51 declares, we can move faster than their bullets, let's see them aliens. I think it speaks to the frustration that people have that's been building up over decades. The fact that they're not told what we have, they're not given information by the government. This was sort of an expression of that. They don't know what to do, they don't know what to believe. Let's just go out there and protest. On September 20th, 2019, the Storm Area 51 event really happened, but it was quite underwhelming. A few hundred people showed up, most in costumes and holding goofy signs, one reading, clap alien cheeks. <laughs> what? As a result, six people were ultimately arrested, but thankfully no one was shot or killed. You work at Area 51, you're never supposed to tell anybody. You're not supposed to tell your loved ones. You have a contract that doesn't really exist. So somebody working at Area 51 could work at Area 51 their whole life and not know what's going on. They're entered into a room with security. They're working on a cog of the machine. They don't know what's going on in the room next to them. There's probably only a handful of people that really know what's going on at Area 51 and other places like it. And to that degree, it makes me wonder why. Even if it was national defense, you still think the people that were working on it should know what they're working on. It's more about what you don't see and what you don't hear about it and why they go to that level. I have no clue. What do we know? We know nothing. I mean, it's all conspiracy, opinion. So quite easily, if they're hiding something here, this is a great place for it. There's nothing around it. So you could hide all kinds of stuff here. I was told by a sheriff, once you enter the base through the gate, there's another gate five minutes in, another gate like 10 minutes in. So you're passing by multiple gates after you get the first initial one. If you drive into it, you're gonna be surrounded right away. This is it right here. Our guide parked the SUV a short walk from the second gate. Dusty water was pulling across the desert road from a rare recent rain in the area. So from this point, we had to get out and walk the rest of the way. It's actually the dotted line. The entrance is surrounded by two massive hills in the perfect position for an amazing vantage point on pretty much anything down below. I mean, I knew we were being watched, but it's almost like you could feel it too. Throughout the course of the day, our local guide rattled off fun facts and interesting anecdotes about the base. He's personally been coming here for years. The stories he told kept the illusion alive that we were in some kind of spy movie. I didn't mind it. About a year ago in April, I was coming to Area 51. On the right-hand side of the car, there's a stealth bomber. Literally, it's flying alongside of us. And I said, hey, can you guys record that? So they took video of it. When they send it to me, you could hear the stealth, but there was nothing in that video. We should have had it in the video. How did they miss it? What do you, what do you I, think it was? I think they edited the video. Or there was something blocking it from recording, but whatever it was, we should have had it in the video. I don't know about all that, but maybe, I don't know. I will say this, my phone had no service the whole time. And it was a little glitchy, freezing and moving slow, and it seemed to stop when we left the base. Probably just need the new iOS update, right? Now, I've been coming here for years, and 
about a month ago. I was about five, eight miles up, something like that. And all of a sudden, we thought it was aircraft because it was super loud. So I'm like, oh my, is that a jet? And then I realized it's the tire. I got out of my car to get the tire in the back and there was a black truck, sheriff truck that I've never even seen in this area. And he stopped and asked me if I needed help. I don't know where he came from. And I'm not kidding about that. I literally did not see him coming or going. And it shocked me that actually somebody was right behind me. It's a 15 minute dirt road. You can see all the way around you for miles. So if you had like a black truck or anything, you would see it coming for miles. My opinion now, there could be an entrance you only could see on the right angle. Hang on, let me get my tinfoil hat. This place is certainly mysterious and even objectively so. You could say all kinds of crazy things about it, but the fact is we truly know nothing. Even if they're just testing our own advanced aircraft here, it's not really a stretch to believe that they could take their security measures to James Bond level shit. Thinking about all this stuff starts brewing this internal question. Do you want to be a skeptic, a believer, a complete neutral? Do you not care at all? For me, it's the idea of wanting to believe versus this sounds insane. As the sun was starting to set, we called it a wrap on our Area 51 adventure. We saw no aliens or spaceships, but I got to witness firsthand a level of security and flat out secrecy that I've never really seen before. And for the links that they go to in order to hide and protect this place, you'd at least expect or even hope they're doing something pretty damn cool in there. Or maybe it's just a private golf course for senators, who knows. talk about flying saucers. We're going to talk about them from the standpoint of reporters. Not as comedians, not as sensationalists. I've always had an interest in the subject of UFOs since I was a kid. In the wouldn't that be cool if they were real kind of way. Nothing serious. Not until I started making this show, going through cases, digging up old documents and talking to witnesses, that I start applying a more analytical approach to this thing. When it comes to UFOs, there's this common notion that the government knows more, that they're hiding the truth. Most of the conspiracy stuff, in my opinion, is nonsense. But when you really peer down the barrel of the UFO topic, you'll find that this whole government secrecy thing is actually rooted in truth. Let's talk about Project Blue Book for a second. In plain English, Project Blue Book said there was a certain percentage of cases they could not explain. Here's Brian Bender. They said that. That's 50 years ago. There have been a certain percentage of this volume of reports that have been made by credible observers of relatively incredible things. It is this group of observations that we now are attempting to resolve. From the late 40s to the late 60s, Project Blue Book was a public, government-wide effort led by the Air Force to look at this issue. The CIA convened this panel, early 1950s, in which they decided to use ridicule and to use debunking as a tool. Here's Leslie Kane. The tool to get people to stop focusing on this so much. The United States Air Force has apparently clamped the lid on much information about UFOs and sought to ridicule such reports as it couldn't muffle. These agencies exist 
to withhold information. It is what they're about. They keep their weapon systems secret, how they work, sometimes even that they're developing them at all. They're not about spreading around everything they know. So if you understand that this is a culture built on keeping secrets so that we have an edge over the bad guys, throw in the UFO topic. If they do know more things, but they don't know everything, what do you tell the world? Even if you did want to be transparent, there is no measurement that makes it possible for us to put them in any pattern for a deliberate, custom sort of analysis to take the next step. I don't like the term cover-up. It has this connotation of sort of conspiracy theories. Nobody's disputing the fact that the government is withholding information. It's absolutely a fact. Private organizations exist that are wholly devoted to intensive investigation of every reported sighting of UFOs, unknown flying objects. From their investigations have come certain tentative and disturbing conclusions. Project Blue Book used ridicule to make witnesses feel bad or diminish the issue. There has basically been some level of cover-up, if you want to use that word, withholding of information from the public, providing misleading information to steer people away. In layman's terms, Project Blue Book was created by the U.S. Air Force in 1952 to investigate UFO sightings. And among the hundreds of cases they looked into, many of them remained unsolved. The Air Force decided to try and lessen the public's interest in UFOs and embarked on a literal debunking campaign. They used the mass media to ridicule the topic, hired scientists, astronomers, and even celebrities to poke at this subject by putting forth ordinary explanations for the sightings, when in fact they themselves didn't know what they were and continued to investigate them. One line from the now declassified document says, quote, we need to watch civilian UFO groups because of their potentially great influence on mass thinking. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. These are all facts from government documents that were available under the Freedom of Information Act. We have, as of date, come to only one firm conclusion. It does not contain any pattern of purpose that we can relate to any conceivable threat to the United States. The final closing statement of Project Blue Book said that no UFO has ever been a threat to national security. And then after that, they said, well, we're done. We don't study this anymore. So why is there all this paper trail of UFO-related things that were being done? We know from the archival record, there were sightings over military bases. The security personnel on those bases were told to go look into this. There's obviously a paper trail for that. They've definitely been studying it. In the 1970s, wealth of documents came out. A document that came out known as the Bolander Memo, saying, well, even though we're closing Blue Book, everyone can still continue to report the UFO cases that are relevant to national security through other channels. Basically, it's acknowledging that UFOs are a national security threat. And yet the final closing statement of Project Blue Book said that no UFO has ever been a threat to national security. So you have these documents written months apart that are absolutely contradictory of each other. All these years later, if they're saying there's things out there and we don't know what they are, with that distrust already there, do we believe them now or how do you factor that in? 
I just think they're not saying everything. There's no evidence that they're ours. There's no evidence that they're Russian or Chinese. But they won't say these are not man-made objects. A Chinese spy balloon was shot down about a month before this show was set to release. And less than a week after that, the U.S. military shot down another unknown object off the coast of Alaska. Then the next day, another shot down over Canada, then one over northern Michigan the following day. The first object shot down was explained to be a spy surveillance balloon from China. There's tons of pictures on the internet and even a leaked selfie from one of the pilots, clearly a balloon. But the following three objects still have no explanation. And the government has since said they've been unable to locate the debris. Looking back at the Roswell incident, it's hard to shake this little feeling of deja vu. There's a lot of distrust and healthy distrust in sort of American political culture. I think the government knows more. Even just understanding how the intelligence agencies work. There's a lot of things that they know puzzle pieces that they've collected that they don't talk about. But I also think it's often because they have something and they don't quite know what it is. They're not like you and me. They're not, hey, let's tell people what we know. It's the complete opposite. So when in doubt, stamp classified. Just classify, classify, classify. As we all know in the Department of Defense, there's a tendency to classify. Lots of times there's a good reason for it, but other times there may not be. It's just the automatic response. It's the way Department of Defense operates. A lot of times it's ridiculous stuff. It's not even something that would help the bad guys because the bad guys already know it. The popular perception, this narrative that the government knows so much more and they're just not telling us, some of that is drawn from reality. A lot of it is not comes from movies in Hollywood, popular culture. Shows or movies that are built on a real thing or a real phenomenon tend to kind of go off the rails. There is this gap between what is probably the logical reality that we can verify and this woo-woo stuff that we see on TV and in movies. I think the truth is somewhere in between. Follow the facts. I just go by what I've seen and the people that I've met, spent years with. Maybe I'm a complete dupe and they've snowed me over for 20-some years. But as a journalist who covers the Pentagon, no matter what the explanation is, they're all hugely big news stories. Whether you think they're aliens or not, we should probably do more to try to understand what these things are if we don't know what they are. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. 
Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hillary and I went to Hawaii in 2018 to the big island where all the telescopes are on top of the mountain, you know, including the Keck telescope, the largest in the world. And several countries have scientific teams there. So after we toured the telescope, we went down and met with them. And I said, do you guys argue about the likelihood of life in outer space? He said, we have huge arguments. I said, you do? He said, oh, well, huge. I said, what's the range? He said, there are those of us who think it's 85% likely and those of us who think it's 95 It's very unlikely that there is not life. Not everyone out there is trying to prove the existence of aliens. The scientific community can be pretty split on this. It's fun to solve things. Here's Mick West, owner of Metabunk.com, a community-driven forum dedicated to debunking. With UFOs in particular, you're presented with an interesting little puzzle. You get a little video and perhaps some background information, and then you've got to try to figure out what this thing actually is. I've looked at literally hundreds of cases. Most of those UFO cases are not interesting. The little dots in the sky or little blobs and things like that. Just simply not enough information. It could be a balloon, it could be a bird, it could be a drone, it could be some kind of other aircraft, it could be some kind of secret technology, it could be an unusual natural phenomena like ball lightning, it could be like an alien spaceship. These are all possible explanations. But you start off with the ones that are most likely. It sounds easy to say it's unexplained, but that's not an explanation. You know, just saying a UFO sounds much simpler, but it's really not. People have cognitive biases. If someone is looking for something, they might find it they might tend to see it. If they are looking for a UFO, say just a generic UFO, they're going to find it. There are lots of things in the sky that you can't immediately identify. Just spend one hour outside just looking at the sky, you will see all kinds of things. You'll be able to identify a bunch of them. But at some point you're going to see a white cigar-shaped object off in the distance. It'll be a plane, but you won't be able to tell that it's a plane. And if you were of the mind to be looking for UFOs, you wouldn't interpret it as a plane. You think there's a UFO. People's perceptions vary greatly. They're perfectly honest. People are not lying in these accounts. They're saying what they saw. But what they saw isn't really what was actually there, it's what their brain perceived. Obviously not every strange sighting of an object in the sky is truly something unexplainable. 
Our brains are not perfect, and occasionally we can remember details wrong. Working in true crime, I've seen this happen time and time again. People have been charged for a murder that an eyewitness saw them commit, only years later forensic evidence proving it was actually someone else. A few months ago, pilots started reporting seeing what they described as lights in the sky. They see what looks like planes flying around in a holding pattern, a racetrack pattern because it's shaped like a racetrack. Some pilots started reporting them, and then loads of other pilots started reporting them. Several pilots lately have reported seeing objects that they cannot explain flying over the U.S. These flying objects doing these circuits in the sky, and some of them actually took video. I just happened to, to look out the right-hand side of the starboard side of the aircraft. I look up and I see two lights, and they were doing like a circle, like a racetrack. Next thing I know, there's three lights, and then there's four lights, then there's five lights. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? So I made a call to air traffic control. They're going out of the middle of the three aircraft. Roger, um, yeah, I don't know. You're not entering any military or space or anything. I'm not sure. I thought I saw a shooting star, but the weird thing was it actually stopped and joined the circle. We're at 47,000 feet. Nobody's above us. And they kept moving, and at one point they moved up almost over the top where I was trying to bend my head to look because they were so high above us. So you could say, well, maybe it's an alien spaceship. Perhaps it's time travelers from the future. These are explanations that sound simple, but they're really not. Eventually, a guy on my forum, Metabunk, came up with the right answer. What we were actually looking at were Starlink satellites. We took the actual data of these satellites and some video where we knew the location and we were able to sync them up. Here is the flare of this satellite where it gets brighter and here is an actual Starlink satellite and we could match them perfectly. What the pilots were seeing were Starlink satellites that are in their final position right over the horizon with the sun behind them, just illuminated by the sun and we could match them perfectly. The pilots thought that these things were moving in circles. It turns out this was kind of an optical illusion because what happened was the satellites were moving across their field of view and they were getting brighter and then dimming. And then another one would come along. It kind of looked like, from their perspective, it was just one thing that was moving in circles. I think that tells you a number of interesting things. I mean, one is that eyewitness accounts aren't always going to be reliable. Sometimes people mess up, sometimes equipment fails. We know these things happen, and we know coincidences happen. We know that sometimes something happens on the same day as another thing that seems really weird. You know, you, sometimes you see something on TV, then you see the, the same thing down the street. A weird coincidence. They happen. Is that actually stranger than the alternatives? If I give an explanation that requires a few hoops to be jumped through, say it requires the, the radar to be faulty and someone to have made a mistake, to have misperceived something from their, their flight, it sounds like I'm having to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. But is a radar failing and someone making a mistake and someone else misperceiving something and someone else taking a video, is that actually stranger than the discovery of a new alien race visiting Earth with their spaceships? 
If UFOs are something like aliens, that would tell us something really significant about the universe. Monumentally significant in terms of humans' place in the world. A lot of human society is based upon religion. And religion is kind of predicated on the idea that God created man and the universe for man, and it's just that. If all of a sudden you get these aliens thrown into the mix, that's going to upend a bunch of people's perceptions about the way the world works. It'll also upend things like technology. How do we get to the stars? You know, how do we extend our lives? How do we know what happens after death? So there's all these questions that people are just fundamentally super interested in that look like they might have answers if some really advanced alien civilization came here. It pushes a lot of buttons. You want to avoid being an advocate for one explanation and I think a mistake people make when they're investigating things is they think, oh, this is what it probably is. They, they decide in their minds, you know, this is what it is. And then they spend all their time trying to make an argument that it is that thing, which is, you know, kind of a bad approach. If anything, you should be doing the opposite. You should be trying to disprove. The human brain is wired to recognize patterns. Pareidolia is seeing patterns where patterns don't exist. Like you see patterns in random data. You see faces in, in the knots of a tree. You see Jesus in a slice of toast. It's just a natural human thing. It's not hard to get something that's simply unidentified. If you just see a white cigar-shaped object moving in the sky and it's like 30 miles away, it's probably going to be a plane, but it's a UFO because you can't tell exactly what it is. According to the Pentagon, they've cataloged over 500 UFO sightings in recent years, and over 300 of them were in 2022 alone. Out of these new cases, six of them were ruled to be airborne clutter, 26 were drones, and 163 were likely balloons. That leaves 171 cases that have no explanation at all. UFOs are really only compelling to me if they do something interesting. If you see a white cigar-shaped object zip across the sky, stop at one point in the sky, zoom down to the ground and shoot off into space, that would be really compelling. I think you've always got to keep an open mind. You've got to recognize that there is a possibility that some of the cases that don't have an immediate and obvious explanation could be some kind of advanced technology. Could be something that a foreign power has developed. It could be a secret US military program. It could be visiting aliens. These are possibilities that we shouldn't eliminate just because they sound really outrageous. But you've got to keep them in the context of where the evidence actually is. If we have something that unambiguously demonstrates advanced physics, related by a reliable source. That would be a real strong pointer towards it being something new, that there was something going on.
Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What makes a case credible is when there's a lot of data. Definitely multiple witnesses is a basic criteria. If the witnesses are military and highly trained, that gives it another level of credibility. As opposed to like guys at three in the morning drinking beer on their back porch, right? It's like any detective story. The more people that have seen it from different vantage points, have similar testimonies, the credibility of those people, what are the facts versus what is just opinion. The most interesting cases are the ones that fit into that category. Lots of people reported seeing it. Lots of their testimonies are similar. What they saw and when they saw it. Cases like that, you can't just dismiss them. This is Woodbridge Airfield, an American Air Force base in eastern England. Woodbridge Field was the site of something that witnesses say seemed to be taken from science fiction. Around Christmas time in 1980, multiple UFOs were reported over a United States military base in eastern England. This official U.S. Air Force report, obtained under the Freedom of Information Act, documents two UFO incidents that were intensely investigated by the Air Force. A triangular luminous flying object with a red light on top and a series of blue lights underneath. A circular translucent ground-hugging disk. 
various lights moving erratically about the night sky, one of which occasionally beamed a shaft of white light downward. It is now known infamously as the Rendlesham Forest Incident. The event occurred over three days and involved multiple witnesses in the military that were stationed on the base. What these men encountered in the Rendlesham Forest in 1980 remains unexplained to this day. I was able to track down one of the witnesses, a retired military officer who's now in his late 70s. I'm just going to put this in front yeah, of you. Yes, <clears throat> if, if you want to start, maybe you could just tell us your name, your retired rank. My name is Charles Halt. 31 years ago, I was in the Air Force, deputy base commander in the 1980s, and was witness to an unusual event that's kind of left a mark on me. What happened in the forest over three nights, in our context, what we know, unexplainable. It's a burden. There's so much nonsense, so much clutter. There are more, how shall I say, people on the fringe of this subject than you can believe. I meet a lot of them, believe me. I certainly haven't looked for fame or money. I haven't asked you for any money. My biggest concern is that the truth is out there. Charles Halt's story begins on December 27, 1980. When I walked into the police station, the desk sergeant started to laugh. I said, what's so funny? Thinking it's, you know, he's been working too long and it's the holidays and whatnot. He said, Colonel, you're not gonna believe this. Last night, Burroughs, Penniston, and Cabanasack were out in the woods chasing UFOs all night. I know it wasn't one of our aircraft. The following night, we were having our Christmas party. We were at the Woody Bar, all 42 officers, with the exception of Bruce England, who was the on-duty police lieutenant. We had just finished dinner and were getting ready for dessert. He came into the club, white as a sheet. He said to me, we need to talk. We went into the coke room, and he said, it's back. The UFO's back. We get gassed up across the base, we go down the East Gate Road, back into the forest. In the meantime, I'm on my little cassette recorder I carry with me everywhere. Throughout the night, Holt recorded his experience on a cassette tape. He's had this audio for over 40 years now, and the tapes you're about to hear are the actual recordings from that night. We're milling around discussing it. England tells me two nights ago, the guy saw this object and saw where it landed and there's indentations, marks in the soil. Okay, we're now approaching area within about 25, 30 feet. What kind of readings do we get? Anything? Just 500 clicks. We go into the forest and we do find these three indentations. They're about an inch and a half deep, about 10 or 12 inches across, equal distance apart. We get the Geiger counter out and we find out that the radiation readings are about nine times higher than background radiation in the indentations. Let's go to the center of the area and 
like to see what kind of reading we get out there. So you read that on the scale? Yes, sir. We're now on the five-tenth scale. Computer's definitely giving more pass. Yes, it's the best deflection needle I've seen yet. There's rub marks or scratch marks on the trees, like something to rub them. When we look up, we can see branches broken, and you can see the sky, like something that come down through the trees. We take radiation readings on the trees, and they're higher on the inside toward the three indentations than they are on the backside. I can see that. Well, that's kind of funny. That's, that's, you're right about the abrasion. I've never seen a tree that's uh, never seen a pine tree that's been damaged react that fast. While we're milling around, somebody says, "Look out there! There's this glowing red object." You just saw a light out there. Where? Right at this position here, straight ahead, in between the tree. There it is again. Straight ahead off my flash right there. So there it is. Hey, I see it too. What is it? We don't know, sir. We look out the east, and in the farmer's field, between us and the farmer's house, is a glowing red object. Yeah, it's a strange, small red light. Looks to be out maybe a quarter to half mile, maybe further out. When we first saw the glowing object in the field, barnyard animals went wild. Very strange sounds out of the farmer's barnyard animals. They're very, very active, making an awful lot of noise. It looks like the farmer's house is on fire from the reflection you see in the windows. We watch it for several minutes, and it moves into the forest, through the trees, and obviously under intelligent control. I'm thinking, what am I going to tell people? I have no choice now. People know I'm out here. The command post heard all these comments. They know something's going on, they're gonna all want an answer. This is just beyond anything I know. I can't explain it. I don't have any answers. Looks like the first light bulb we've seen, or about 150 or 200 yards from the site. Everything else is just deathly calm. There's some type of strange flashing red light ahead. I saw a yellow tinge in it too. Weird. It, it, it appears to be maybe moving a little bit this way. It's brighter than it has been. Yellow. It's coming this way. It is definitely coming this way. It goes back out into the farmer's field, directly overhead at very high speed. At least 15 people in the weapon storage area saw the objects in the sky. Two, one right to the front, one right to the left. Take the flashlights off. There's something very, very strange. It's, it's brighter than it has been. I said, let's try and approach it. We move up to the edge of the forest, and when we tried to get close, it went back out into the field. It knew we were trying to get close. Here he comes from the south. He's coming toward us now. Because of the shooting off. Sparks are coming off it. So bright, it was like looking at the sun. There appears to be a beam coming down to the ground. This is beyond anything that we're familiar with. For the spaceship, now I'm a space cadet. Big white mansion in my habitat. Aim a lot of stairs like a lady tech. Fuck a wish, never rich set. Smoke a lot of trees, need a weed plant. I did take a lean where the lean at. Sleeping on these G's is a beanbag. Got red going jeans, cause I'm cool, right? She know she was overseas, they were pan leather. Shopping Tokyo, 
Gucci sweaters. Instead of dripping, John, I cannot help him. It's a boom, not the guys, we are not the devil. High Strange is an eight-part series released weekly for free every Thursday. But if you'd like to binge the whole series right now, you can. Subscribe to Tinderfoot Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the episodes right now. Follow the show on TikTok and Instagram at High Strange. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Payne Lindsay. If you have your own UFO story, email us at tips at highstrange.com. High Strange is a production by Tenderfoot TV in association with Cadence 13. Created, hosted, and edited by myself, Payne Lindsay. Executive producers are myself and Donald Albright. Editing by Mike Rooney, Cooper Skinner, and myself. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Cooper Skinner. Additional production by Mike Rooney, Dylan Harrington, Eric Quintana, Sean Nerney, Meredith Stedman, and Sydney Evans. Our cover art is by Polygon. This episode features the song Space Cadet by Metro Boomin featuring Gunna, written by Wesley Tyre Glass, Sergio Kitchens, Leland Tyler Wayne, Alan Ritter, and Jacques Webster, performed by Metro Boomin featuring Gunna, courtesy of Republic Records, under license from Universal Music Enterprises for Metro Boomin and 300 Entertainment for Gunna. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum and the whole team at UTA, the Nord Group, Station 16, Beck Media and Marketing, as well as Chris Corcoran and the team at Cadence 13. Check out the show's website at highstrange.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please help us out by rating and reviewing the podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening. 